You are looking live at the fifth year podcast with Parker Biggs, Zach Ruley, and Clint Maxey. Ladies and gentlemen, can you believe it? These guys are the best with this podcast. Don't even think of making a wager on this upcoming season without checking in with Parker, Zach, and Clint. Take it away, guys. Welcome to the Fifth Year Podcast with Zach Ruley and yours truly, Parker Biggs, here today. We are thrilled to be joined by Billy Embody of On3 Sports. Billy covers LSU and SMU for On3 with the news of uh, Pac-12 expansion on the horizon um, as the Pac-12 eyes San Diego State and SMU. We thought Billy would be the best person to have on. Uh, Billy knows you know, the SMU football program and athletics program inside and out. And, and while the, you know, the bombshell from, from Brett McMurphy came last week about George Klyovkov visiting SMU, um, kind of putting the spotlight on the situation, this is something that Billy's been covering um, for several months now. Um, so he knows the ins and outs. He has a good pulse of what's going on here, at least from the SMU side of things. I would like to apologize. We had some technical difficulties. I flat out just wasn't recording like the first four minutes of our inter- interview with Billy. So that's what happens when Clint's not here, the technical side of things. Slip up a little bit, so kind of embarrassed about that. Uh, but fortunately, we caught it before it was too late. There are a few things I would like to um, make note of uh, that are probably going to be missed um, and, and things we discussed um, before we realized we weren't recording. First is that it's really not an, an if, but when this is going to happen, um, this expansion to for both SMU and San Diego State into the Pac-12. Um, you know, barring something crazy, barring, I don't know, something crazy um, realignment-wise or just some weird last-minute change of heart um, hearts amongst the Pac-12 or amongst SMU or amongst San Diego State, like this is going to happen. Um and not only is it going to happen, it's probably going to happen pretty soon. Um, as I mean, maybe within the next couple of weeks is what Billy said. Uh, I think it's just a matter of you know wrapping up the television deal as the, the Pac-12 is the last to, to to sign a new contract of the Power Five conferences. So, um, and I I asked Billy, you know, does the TV deal have to be done before the official invite sent, or does the you know does the official invite need to be sent before the TV deal is done? And there's not really an answer to that. I think both sides want to to know that they're you know locked in. I think that the TV and streaming side of things, specifically ESPN and and Amazon, are wanting to know you know what their inventory is going to look like from the Pac-12. Uh, what teams are going to be there? What schools are going to be there? So that's I think why why you're seeing um, uh, the Pac-12 commissioner visiting San Diego State and SMU. I think they're trying to. You know, make sure they're they've got all their ducks in a row there, but also um, the the schools that they're potentially adding here, SMU and San Diego State, want to see you know this TV contract hashed out as well and a grant of rights signed um, to you know add some security there for those schools once they do make that move. So we we don't know or what what will come first. Um, but they're probably going to coincide uh, very quickly. We discussed, you know, the Pac-12's uh, president's joint statement, you know, showing unity. Um, you know, different people kind of interpreted that different ways. Um, but, uh, but I think Billy and I both agreed there that 
that that was really, you know, you don't put out that statement if you're not really close to a, to a TV deal because it would make no sense to do that. So, um, you know, Billy mentioned, you know, within a matter of weeks, this this deal could really be wrapped up. Um, you know, we he, he noted the, the importance of this for, for the SMU program. Uh, SMU, you know, his post-death penalty really been, you know, looking for a home for decades. They've bounced from conference to conference from the, you know, they've been in the WAC, they've been in the uh, Conference USA, they've been in the AAC, um, but never really been playing at that power level while, you know, their old Southwest Conference rivals have. Um, so there was a little bit covered there that, that will be missed. Uh, and I apologize, apologize about that because, you know, Billy had some really great things to say. Fortunately, we had, you know, another 25 minutes or so with Billy uh, and covered a lot more ground than that. So uh, let's uh, go ahead and hop right into the interview. Do you, How much value, because there's been reports, I guess, coming out that maybe ESPN kind of has a take it or leave it offer on the table for the Pac-12. So how much more do you think SMU and Sandy, if that is the case, obviously, um, I mean, I don't know, at least if that is the case, how much value do you think SMU and, and San Diego State bring to the table for the league to be able to go back to ESPN or Amazon, I think was rumored to be in on it, um, and try and negotiate a better deal? Yeah, I think with this with with this one with ESPN, if what we're kind of hearing is true, where ESPN is in it for that Saturday night Pac-12 after dark game, um, then it's probably not – a huge needle mover uh, for them. Obviously, it would it would kind of help uh, SMU fans who um, you know might end up watching Pac-12 After Dark at that ten thirty Eastern time slot. Um, and, and same goes for San, Di- San Diego State, but they're they're already out there, so it's kind of prime time for them. Um, so I I kind of am in the boat where it doesn't. It's not a huge needle mover for ESPN. It's more about. Um, well, okay, if they do add SMU, it does bring a different time zone into it. Um, maybe there is a little bit more interest in that um, matchup for – I mean, even – it's kind of a weird way, and I, I still think SMU is in a school right now that, that brings a ton of eyes to the, to the table. But in Big 12 country, when all their games are wrapped up, you know, by 10.30 p.m. Eastern for the most part, you could see some of those eyes instead of watching – you know, Oregon State and and Cal, um, maybe they're watching SMU play Wazoo or SMU play um, an- another school in the Pac-12 uh, just because that's what's on. that, And it's a regional game for those fans. So um, there, there is that aspect of it that maybe it, it helps a little bit. But I, I still think right now ESPN appears to be in it more so for that one time slot versus uh, the, the amount of um, streaming opportunities that Amazon is interested in, which would include multiple games across multiple time slots and um, obviously the right to carry uh, those on repeat or um, get access to the other sports on the table from the Pac-12. Uh, it's just going to be an interesting uh, deal to see what they end up coming together. I mean, does ESPN Plus get the get the rights to all the non-revenue sports that ESPN Plus um already kind of carries for other other leagues. Um, for example, you know, SMU uh, already has ESPN Plus, you know, kind of dialed into their venues. Uh, they can show up and broadcast a game, and it's it's fairly straightforward. Whereas Amazon just jumping into this, this is a new undertaking 
for them to be uh, negotiating and, and trying to get a lot of these games that they already want and or uh, don't necessarily have yet. Um, it's, it's a major undertaking if Amazon is the one that gets the entire media rights deal, um, which obviously uh, football is the, is a huge piece of that, but um, the Pac-12 network has kind of been a failure. So it, it's, it's really all over the place with Pac-12 media rights and has been for, uh, you know, quite some time. They just, they, they've had a, had a few missteps with how they've managed their partnerships and how they've you know, been able to put it all together. So uh, this is a fresh start for them, no matter how it ends up. And I'm very interested to see really how it comes together. Yeah. You, you know, you know, you mentioned Amazon, you mentioned ESPN. Are there any other players in, I mean, like that are really in this race or, I mean, or you, is your guess that it will end up being a joint deal between Amazon and ESPN? Are there other streaming options like Apple or, I don't know, Peacock or um, any other players? Yeah, I, I think that's, that's, kind of it from what i'm hearing um i I know brett mcmurphy reported that cbs and turner um are no longer involved which um you can take that as you know they've they've done their due diligence they've seen what um you know is out there and and what it would take and all those things and and they're out or you can take it as they haven't been really involved and i haven't heard their name in a in a minute now um for for any of these types of partnerships so uh, with the pac-12 especially so um I, I think it's Amazon and ESPN. Maybe there's an Apple out there that would that would like to get involved. But um, for the for Apple to to take the step with with the Pac-12 to be kind of their their first will be would be an interesting um, situation. You know, it's almost like maybe Apple would want uh, a a bigger splash if they were going to dive off the deep end into uh, sports. Yeah. So I want to just touch on this again since. Uh, we had some technical difficulties, but you know, you mentioned earlier bef- uh, before I was actually recording that uh, we uh, or that you know this could be something that that comes together in a matter of weeks. And you know, you touched on you know just the the what SMU's done across the board, facilities wide wise on the field, NIL, just commitment from you know the SMU base it, of those you know, improvements that, that have happened over the years, uh, on the Hilltop. Is there any specific thing or moment that, that, you know, above all else has been, you know, key to, to SMU taking this, this next potential step? Yeah, I think when they got June Jones, that, that started to turn the corner, um, in terms of slowly working this university back into the mindset of let's, let's take on athletics and, and let's try to build, you know, a great athletics program, just top to bottom. And, um, you know, June Jones did a good job kind of laying that foundation. He changed a lot when it came to admissions and um, got a new major sports management added. Uh, that was key. Uh, and he's underrated in all this, no matter how, how it ended um, for him at, at SMU. Um, and then Chad Morris, you know, revitalized uh, kind of the fan base with, you know, a major name from Texas high school football who, you know, recruited his tail off. It, it was kind of up and down here and there, but, um, then Sonny Dykes comes in and, and they get into the top 25. It's just been a constant pushing from the last, you know, four or five coaches, including Rhett Lashley to push this booster base, to push this administration and help them realize this is, this can be a win on all, uh, 
facets of the university. It can help with admissions. It can help um, bring in, you know, better athletes across the board. You improve facilities and, and that can help. Um, they've just been pushing for so long um, that it, it really does, um, you know, kind of kind of give me the sense that that's really what's been driving this. And, you know, if you're looking at moments when there, that's been realized, you know, I think the indoor practice facility was a big one. Uh, for SMU that got built in the last couple of years, that was huge. The Armstrong Fieldhouse. And then you get into, well, Sonny Dykes left and he, and he left for TCU. And um, for SMU fans and boosters, um, they raised that money for that $100 million end zone complex really quickly. Um, and I also want to give a tip of the cap to Larry Brown uh, for the basketball program. You know, Moody Coliseum got renovated. It's a beautiful venue. And that was another one where, yeah, it kind of fell apart with some sanctions, but he showed that if you recruit, bringing kids that want to be at SMU, be in Dallas, and they have talent, you can build a, a kind of a monster of a program. So um, I, I think there's been a few key steps, but but that's kind of the – those are some of the main ones. Well, how do you think – and I think academically, you know, SMU is in that, you know, upper quarter of, of Pac-12 universities. I think that they fit in very well on that front – culturally how do you think smu would fit in with the pac-12 yeah i think it's a good fit i mean uh, you look at dallas and dallas does have a good bit of pac-12 alumni living in the area i think it'd be a fun fun fit i mean obviously there are some differences um, between the west coast and texas i would say but um you know what what it comes down to is it's I, i think for that league they need you know some to keep some big cities you know they lose la uh, they're going to, you know, if all goes as we're hearing, they're going to add San Diego. Uh, so they'll keep some of Southern California, but they lose their two huge marquee names. But then you add in a city like Dallas for these fans to kind of come check out. And SMU's been familiar with an Arizona State, um, an Arizona. Uh, they've, they've played uh, some of these Pac-12 schools, um, Oregon, I believe, in, in basketball. They just haven't done it in in football yet um and, and i think it's going to be a fit and and academically i mean smu does fit. i mean their program uh, their university that's headed towards r1 status which is big in in the pac-12 and they certainly prioritize their academics as well which um i think is a big piece to this you know i think in terms of if you take out a regional conference like the big 12 in terms of that's a fit smu can play a bunch of former southwest conference foes they can stay in the region that makes a ton of sense and there's there's probably some you know kind of pure hatred um with a lot of those teams between smu and and those schools the acc and the pac-12 are the two leagues that actually probably fit smu and smu's base a little bit more than than the big 12 i mean smu quite honestly would be the vanderbilt of the of the big 12 i know tcu is a good school but um that and and they would be the vanderbilt in the sense that you know their academics are up there compared to a lot of those schools um and, and you know they'd hope they they're more competitive than Vanderbilt is in the SEC but uh, I, I think the fit is a little underrated here um academically and just with the fan bases is there I mean what's the is there still any sort of ongoing communication with SMU and the Big 12 I would have to think that SMU like at this point do they just feel you know scuffed you know you go as far back as the post-death penalty and the you know the creation of the, of the Big 12 with you know, Ann Richards getting Baylor in and then, you know, to the 
the exp- the near expansion or the talks of expansion a decade ago with the Big 12 where, you know, they flirt with SMU a little bit there. And then this most recent round where, you know, they decide to, to add Houston. And it, it, it to me, it seems, you know, and to an extent, I, I understand it from the other school's point of views, why bring in another Texas school that potentially has a higher ceiling than than some of the current Big 12 schools. But is there, would SMU even, you know, if if the Big 12 were to come to SMU last minute, you know, you know, trying to block the, the Pac-12 from getting into into Texas and say and wanting to restart those conversations. Is that something that SMU would consider or is this thing with the Pac-12 already far enough down the line that, you know, that that ship's pretty much sailed? Yeah, I, I don't think it's completely sailed. Uh, I do think that SMU and, and the Big 12 do have conversations and, and, and that's from multiple sources. I don't I don't think um you know, their, their leadership at the big 12 would be doing their, you know, schools, the doing their schools, right. Uh, if they weren't making sure that, you know, Hey, at the last moment, if we do feel like we need to block the PAC 12 from coming into Texas, we can do that. And we haven't just, you know, quite honestly, just spit in their, you know, SMU's face the entire time. Um, now there's some people on SMU side that are like, we've been yanked around by the big 12 for over a decade now. Um, why, why should we, um, if we get a Pac-12 invite, uh, head to the Big 12, um, and, and that's a hard, that's a hard debate. I think internally, you know, you've got the regional aspect of it, which can help in recruiting in a way, um, letting kids know that hey, if you, you know, come to SMU and you're from Houston, you can play Houston. If you come to SMU and you're from uh, out in West Texas, you can play Texas Tech. Uh, there, there are you know other schools uh, in the region that are close enough as well for most most family members at, you know, SMU's bases, which is Texas recruiting wise for football, that they can go see a lot of their games still. Um, and then there's a the flip side of, well, the PAC 12, you can go out to, you know, Arizona, Arizona state, you can go to Denver and, and Boulder um, and play Colorado. And you can go to Eugene and play at Oregon, which is a cool stadium. I mean, there's different things to sell on that front too. So, um, and, and the media rights deal would, would have an impact if SMU felt like it was really, you know, potentially in a bad spot, that might be a, a a point of of emphasis for why SMU would, you know, accept a, a last minute Big Twelve invite. But I do, I think they're still in conversations, and um, you know, just keeping each other in the loop. For an, an SMU fan, would you at all? You know, should SMU fans be at all concerned about the potential of you know? further expansion with within the Pac-12 or is it one of those deals where you know if they're ex- accepting the invite there's, there's a new grant of rights being signed and at a minimum you're locking you're locking you know the the rest of the Pac-12 in at least for a few years because I would imagine that that buyout to to leave immediately after signing a grant of rights would be um pretty pretty big number yeah I think as long as that grant of rights gets put in place um and signed I, I think you feel good about it if it gets to all that it gets to that point um obviously if if you know an Oregon or a Washington did somehow get poached by the big Ten for example, that money would be nothing for either of those schools in terms of what they're gonna get very quickly in a in a big Ten media rights deal so that's kind of part of it but um if that grant of rights is ten years that's a good situation for SMU, you know, and, and keeping that league together. And um, so I, I wouldn't think you would be concerned. And at that point you're in the club and, and to get into the club is the hardest part. And once you're in it, um, it's, it's really hard to leave these days um, in my opinion, at least. So um, that would be something where 
you feel good about the long-term future and, and you hope that you, that, that grant of rights carries the day and you keep winning and you keep improving and showing that you do deserve to be there, which I think SMU does and has. Um, and then if something were to happen, you're in a good spot once again. Last question for you on expansion or on the uh, Pac-12 expansion here. What, what will your, what would, what will be your expectation for SMU immediately upon, you know, assuming this does, you know, nothing crazy happens and this does end up crossing the finish line. What will be your expectation for SMU football on the field? And then, you know, immediately, and then also long-term as well. Yeah, I think immediately is, is a little bit of a, a tough one. Just if UCLA and USC are gone, then, you, you look at SMU as a school that you would want to see them finish between that four to six range. Um, you've got your Oregon, you've got your Utah, um, and, and there's some turnover in, at Arizona State, and they got a new staff, and um, Oregon State's coming off a good season. Uh, UW is, is still very good as well. So, I mean, if you're in that five, six range of your SMU, that would not be a bad thing at all. Um, and I think long-term you want to push for that you know, consistently in the three to four range, but it, it's going to take upgrading this roster even more in terms of depth. You know, it, it's, it's not something that's very easy to just, you know, improve overnight and be um, ready to play week in week out in that schedule in terms of true top to bottom depth in the roster. So I'd say first year you want to see them maybe finish right, right at the, the middle of the pack and then uh, work their way up from there. Can you talk a little bit about, uh, I mean, what what started with you know I think Sonny Dykes initially really hit the transfer portal hard and showed you know what SMU can do by grabbing some of these guys a lot of which are you know Dallas area guys that you know for whatever reason want to to leave where they are whether you know it's a you know a power five school or um, and they're just looking to get back closer to home or you know just to get more playing time or whatever but it seems like Rhett Lashley's kind of taken that to another level um, you know with the top five transfer portal hall this year. Uh, what it took like seven Miami players where obviously he had familiarity with those guys from his time there. Um, can you just talk a little bit about that? Yeah. I mean, it, it, it is something that now that SMU can capitalize on it. And if they did move to the PAC 12, it'd be even better um, because Dallas produces so much talent and they go elsewhere. And and now maybe you keep some of those guys, you know, coming out of high school those highly touted guys, um, and, and keep them home because you are in a power five conference. So maybe you aren't, you know, plugging um, spots in with transfer portal guys as much. But um, it, it's a process that started when Sonny Dykes was there. <clears throat> he put together a really good scouting system that SMU's kind of continued to, to pick up on. And, they, and they've, you know, worked their connections really, really well. And also, I mean, NIL. And NIL is a big uh, factor as well on that front because, you know, SMU does have that ability to, you know, make some waves in that regard too. So, um, that's how you're competitive in, in the transfer portal is having a good NIL program, having connections with, with your coaching staff, with those players, and you, you hope for the best. And um, they've certainly capitalized on it uh, since it started. What are your expectations for, for 2023 SMU team, which you know might be their last, last season in the AAC? Obviously, Cincinnati, UCF, Houston all gone. Um, you know, Tanner Mordecai is gone. But, you know, I think the expectation, you know, I know Jennings is there as well, but but Preston Stone is probably finally going to get his chance to to take over this offense. You lose, you know, a legitimate NFL player, Rashid Rice. Um, so there, you know, there are some key losses there, but it's, you know, year two in the uh, in the Lashley 
system and he's, you know, clearly loading the roster up through, you know, the recruiting ranks through the transfer portal. So um, do you think they, they, you know, the expectation should be that they take a step forward from a, from a seven and five season, or could that, you know, especially with the quarterback change, could there be a, a, a bit of a, a curve there? Yeah, I mean, it, it all depends on Preston Stone um, being the guy that they think he is. Uh, and if he is, I mean, you, you've got to circle them as true conference championship contending team. Um, that That's the goal. That's the expectation. Um, you lose some teams that, you know, have been the class of the conference at different you know points with UCF and Cincinnati especially. And Houston's been up and down, but SMU beat Houston last year um, and, and was competitive with, with all three of those teams that were in the AAC last year. Um, they just at different points, you know, didn't get it done, you know, key turnovers and all that, um, which is where Preston Stone has to pick up the the ball and say, I'm not going to make those turnovers. I'm not going to force those. I'm not going to um, be the reason why, um, you know, there's there's 14 points off turnovers. And that's a difference in the ball game. Like we saw against TCU. We saw it against Cincinnati. We saw it against um, UCF to an extent. But when SMU took care of the ball, um, you know, they were undefeated when they won the turnover battle, they were undefeated. Um, so that's a situation where that's going to be the the biggest key for Preston Stone is taking care of the football. He's got the talent. He's got weapons. They've upgraded the offensive line and running back room. Um, the expectations have to be a conference championship for SMU. Um, that's the, that's the reality of it. They've invested so much in this program and, and boosters have as well um, with NIL that, um, now it, it is that that expectation to to win a conference championship, get over the hump, um, and splitting one of two uh, with Oklahoma and TCU would be nice as well. So I would say a ten win season and a conference championship would be uh, the expectation and uh, what what they would consider it a success at this point. Yeah, I mean the the last decade of or fifteen years or so of SMU football has you know have been on the rise and the the expectations have most definitely risen. And you know if if and when this this move to the Pac-12 happens, you know I think those expectations are going to skyrocket even more. Um, so it's an exciting time, I'm sure, f- for you to be uh, covering SMU football. Yeah, it's been uh, uh, it's it's been uh, up and down here and there, and it there, there's been a lot of uh, been a lot of you know, crazy things that have happened over the years that you know SMU has missed out on capitalizing on some of these moments. But uh, it's a lot of fun right now. I mean, I, I think Rhett Lashley going to a bowl game. His first season was huge. He's the first SMU coach since the 1980s to do that, um, which which is a good sign. And um, they were competitive in just about every single game except Tulane. And, and um, obviously, <laughs> yeah, same here. And obviously, we saw what Tulane ended up being. And I think people were still kind of struggling to get their heads around how good they ended up being. But um, you know, SMU still, um, you know, they can play with Tulane. That that was a you know, uh, a little bit more of an anomaly, in, in my opinion, over the course of the season that showed uh, they can be competitive with anyone. Uh, they played TCU as tough as anyone, maybe outside of Texas and um, and, and Kansas State. You know, so I, I think this is a program that is an ex- in an exciting place. And, um, you know, you just see, you know, more and more improvement each year. And and maybe one of these years, it's a breakthrough year. This this kind of feels feels that way um, if it all comes together. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. Well, Billy, um, I don't want to take up any more of your time. I really appreciate you joining. I wanted to plug uh, on the Pony Express, you know, if, if both the the site and the podcast as well. Um, for those you know that that 
might be SMU fans or just interested in, you know, what's going on with, with um, SMU on the expansion front. I mean, it's, it's as good as it gets. Um, it, it's really good stuff. So um, really appreciate you joining us, Billy. And um, yeah, hopefully we can, we can talk again. Absolutely. I appreciate uh, you guys having me on and, and uh, uh, we'll do it again soon.